Welcome to Psychocinematic, the podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. Before we start, this podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app. Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. It's, it's, it's been a while. Welcome back to the podcast, Michael Watson. Thanks for having me again. This is your podcast too now. I just get all the credit. A co-conspirator. <laughs> cheeky, cheeky bugger. Oh, what's been happening in our world of television? Um, what weird old movie have you watched recently? Weird old movie. I watched um, Bad Timing, a Nicholas Rowig oh. movie. He did The Man Who Fell to Earth. Oh, I've seen. Have you seen that? No, I haven't, but I'd like to watch it oh, very much. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a time. Um, bad Timing is basically just Art Garfunkel fucking for like four hours. <laughs> It was. He likes to film musical artists fucking for a while because that's that, a, a oh, lot. Oh well, of, David, David Bowie, yeah, and Mick Jagger of... was in one of his movies. Oh, um, no doubt, fucking. A yeah, lot. I'm sure he fucks in that one too. <laughs> Mick Jagger fucks. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't love it actually, to be honest. But it was interesting. I think it's because he's he sort of um, originated a lot of things like um really jarring cuts and like visual metaphors and zooms and stuff Mm. um that now seem really tacky to us because they've been overdone but he kind of invented it so you have to have that mindset Mm -hmm. a bit like halloween which we also watched the other day yeah it was boring yes shit (laughs) but it's like the first slasher film and And people since have perfected the form yeah yeah. It's kind of like when I first watched The Exorcist, I was like, this is funny and it's not supposed to be funny. Um, and in the same way, watching Halloween for the first time was like, this is boring, but it's not supposed to be boring. At the time, it would have been monumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? What would you what 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 would you like to update well, with, with people? I would like to say we're watching Squid Game, and we both feel it's a bit overrated. I'm glad that you feel that too, because mm. when I first started voicing some discontent with Squid Game, I think you thought I was just being contrary because well, everybody's into are. it. It is kind of my thing, but I'm glad that you're on board too. Yeah, it's just not that good. It's it's it, better like Cube and Battle Royale exist. Also, Hunger Games, not that I care about that. Well, Hunger Games is just Battle Royale, isn't it? I haven't seen Hunger Games. I've only seen the first one. Mm. And I was talking to somebody last night about how apparently the translation is just really shit. Yeah. And it's not even that there's sort of untranslatable things in Korean. It's just apparently it's just a bad translation. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's not bad, but I don't know why. I I don't get the... The phenomenon. Virality of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Um, but that's just the people, right? I feel like... They've got bad taste. They I don't know. They listened if, to Coldplay and voted for the Nazis. That, yeah, that's from Peep Show. Um, so don't try and claim that, that quote as your own. I'd not. <laughs> I didn't. I never would. But I do... Maybe I'm wrong for saying this, but I feel like since like Parasite made it really fashionable to like Korean films... Parasite is like the best movie in the last decade, I reckon. Whoa. Honestly, loved it. But I think people are like, ooh, this is a Korean show that Netflix is banging on about a lot. It's going to be cool to like this. Maybe. Do you think? Yeah, but if that were the case, maybe the Josh Brolin remake of um, Old Boy would have taken <laughs> off a bit more. 
No. But to be to be fair, that movie never should have been made. Looking forward to going to the movies. Me too. Yeah, this Can't is a wait. Lo- this is the first time where I've looked at all the movies that are coming out and gone, oh, I have no idea what these movies are. There's so much coming. Yeah. There's so much coming. It's so, I'm so exciting excited for June. Yeah, yeah. We're, you're desperate to see June. King for June IMAX. in IMAX. In yeah. IMAX. You've said that to every person you've seen. King for June. King for June. Do you want to see June in IMAX? Do you want to see June in <laughs> yeah, IMAX? Yeah, I have like a bevy of 30 people coming to see June in IMAX. <laughs> it's going to be epic. Um, no, Quick. there's a lot coming out. What are you going to – what's your first movie you're going to see? Well, you might be going to see Pig on Monday. Oh, the Nicolas Cage thing. Yeah. I hear it's not actually all that good. Oh, maybe we but, should see something else then. Um, I'm also interested – I'm interested in everything. Everything looks good to me, and it might just be because I've been starved for so long. Yeah, maybe. Uh, there's also like Lamb that's a little bit made a bit of a splash. Is that it... the one about the the farm animals, or am I thinking of something else? The pig is also about a farm animal. There's a lot of farm animal is, movies. Is Lamb the one that's actually just like the day in the life of a lamb? I don't know. I just what is it about? I have, honestly, I feel like you I just, just want to see just all said. the movies <laughs> and have no, know nothing about them as I walk in, which is so unusual for me. Okay. Oh, just before we move on. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for all of our patrons. It was a really fun bonus episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, get on it, mates. Um, there'll be a bonus episode coming with this one too. We are focusing on is a little bit different from our norm. Yeah. In terms of it's a chronic illness. Oh. And why, pray tell, Michael, could we be focusing on a particular chronic illness? Do you want to tell us about your chronic illness? Um, I have type 1 diabetes, um, have had for just shy of one year. So I'm a pretty late diabetic. I was diagnosed when I was 30. Very late. You, do, you can't call that one juvenile diabetes, can you? Oh, young at heart. Hey. <laughs> so what was, tell us a bit more about how, how that experience has been for you of, of that late onset diagnosis. It's just a bit of a pain in the ass, diabetes. I'm pretty privileged in so many ways. <laughs> You're um, a white man. <laughs> but um, also in the sense that I have some grounding in medicine so I kind of understood diabetes and a little bit about how insulin and glucose kind of work somewhat. That's not to say it wasn't a massive, massive learning curve. Mm. It kind of continues An to ongoing. Be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. But, yeah, it's been a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the last thing we expected to happen, isn't it? Yeah, really? well... So I guess the first clue was once, I don't know, midway through last year or something, I was having a bath with Casper and you took a photo of us. Mm. And I looked at the photo and I was like, holy shit, I look really like emaciated. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fairly, I'm a, I'm a slim You're guy. You're a slim, slim build. Yeah, but I looked really skinny. Um, and then I started peeing all the time <laughs> <laughs> and I was really thirsty um, and angry a bit oh, a little bit irritable yeah 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 um and then the 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 thing that set it all off was when we went away and we were mm. all staying in a small hotel room we recorded a podcast episode on we that did trip. donnie darko yeah. yeah probably the night we recorded donnie darko <laughs> we were all in the same room the three of us as in me steph and casper who would have been like 
six, nine months old or something like that. Yeah, eight months, yeah. Yeah, um, and I had to get up and go to the bathroom overnight like five times or something, and I woke everybody up every, every single, single time. time. Casper <laughs> cried and Steph I said, cried. you have to go to the doctor. And I had decided that I either had cancer, hyperthyroidism, or diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a bunch of blood tests and I got a call the next day from the doctor and she was just like, hi, Michael, sorry to call you. Um, you have diabetes. <laughs> Go to the hospital now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. So I um, had diabetes. Yeah. She was right. She was a good doctor. Uh, she, she still is, is a good, a good doctor. doctor. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's just been learning how to give insulin, measure sugars, what puts my sugars up and down, how to avoid going too high, going too low, Mm. Um, how to like sort of, yeah, factor in sugars to like everything I do, I kind of need to consider my sugars. Yeah. Like obviously particularly with exercise and food. Yeah, which is a lot of life really. Yeah. Moving and eating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my kind of background, I guess. And since this is a podcast about movies and TV shows depicting illnesses of many kinds, actually, one thing I wanted to talk about was just diabetes and disability. Yeah, sure. Because I've just been applying for lots of jobs, and they ask if you have a disability. I've just been thinking about that a lot. And yeah. and initially, when I first thought about that question, I didn't really consider diabetes a disability. Mm. But I since Googled it and, like, World Health Organization Considers and the Australian it. government both consider it a disability. But I didn't – I think maybe I have some internalised ableism because I was like, no, I don't have a disability. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't um, – I don't identify myself I don't have, that way. I'm not in a wheelchair or something. I think yeah. I just had a really basic Understood. and sort of a negative, like a subconscious – bias um so that's been something to come around to yes i think it's important to talk about that because we all have our own internalized biases because of society and how we were brought up and you can't just pretend you don't have them if you you want to be an inclusive person i definitely have many (laughs) many biases and I, i from what i've heard about the disability community there's a lot of and i'm still reading growing up growing up disabled in australia because i have been terrible at reading anything (laughs) the last two years and there's a lot of people in there that like i didn't think i had a disability i didn't identify as disabled even carly finlay herself who um, collaborated who was the editor of the book so it's like a a journey that you go on really Mm. yeah yeah that's how you see yourself too yeah just because someone somewhere or a doctor somewhere labels you with something that's different than how you personally see yourself yeah that's true how do you sit with that I, I don't know like I'm happy to classify I'm happy to classify diabetes as a disability but I don't feel disabled I just feel like I have a pain in the ass mm. like I've just got a shit pancreas that difficulties I mean that's a disability it is it's a decrement in your ability to perform daily activities yeah but whether you just decide that you identify someone of the disabled community is is something else. Really. Yeah, and I just feel like I'd be detracting from people who might need more. I don't know. Need more support. Yeah. Or have more impairment of their functioning. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. But that that sounds bad to me too. Now that I say it out loud, it's something I haven't really nailed down my thoughts on. Really. I guess 
in my head as someone who doesn't have I have a fucked up back, but I also don't consider it a disability. Mm. Um, it's it's like a spectrum of how much privilege you have and how much your disability impacts your life. And it can vary for people with the same disability at the same time. Mm. So disabilities can be hidden as well or invisible. Diabetes is probably one of them, except for maybe when you're having a hypo. Yeah. Or and I also like, carry a little green bag around with me at all times. But that could be just like, I'm hip Man and bag. I need a little green bag. <laughs> oh, that's a good song, green bag. Um, <laughs> and you have type 1 diabetes, is that yes. right? Yeah. Yes. So yes, what's yes, the yes. difference between type 1 and type 2, just just to clarify? Um, so type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune thing where your body attacks something involved in making insulin. So it might be your pancreas or insulin itself sometimes. So it's just kind of a random thing. Um, Type 2 is more associated with lifestyle um, and, you know, risk factors are, you know, like poor diets, low in fruit and veg, not a lot of exercise, overweight, smoking, those sorts of things. Um, And it's more to do with your body um, doesn't respond as well to insulin. Given that you were recently diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, we wanted to look at a movie the or cinema some movies of type 1 diabetes. Of type 1 diabetes. Yeah. And there really isn't that much out there, is there, Michael? Not a huge amount. Um, when I think diabetes movie, I think this... Drink the juice. I think the movie that we're doing today, which is Steel Magnolias. Yeah. And that was like, it came out in 1989. So I watched it when I was really young. But... Thinking about other movies, there's really not a lot like that. I know, I know of Panic Room. Yeah. When Kristen Stewart, as a little baby, <laughs> gives herself insulin and Memento. I don't remember there being diabetes in Memento. Well, there's like this storyline in Memento where Sammy Jenkins or Sammy Jenkins or whatever, um, he gives his wife insulin and he has a memory, short-term memory loss, um, and so she tests. She thought that maybe he was faking it because they think he was faking it. Faking what? Short-term memory loss. Oh, okay. Um, So she kept saying, oh, I've got to take my insulin, got to take my insulin, and he kept giving her too much insulin. She ends up dying. Oh. Um, oh wow. How does she die? Like, what does it look like? Going into a coma? Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't like, know. What? We're not covering that one today. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Just <laughs> Go watch Memento if you want. <laughs> um. So, yeah, like that's the only two that I can think of right now. Yeah. Besides... Still Magnolias. I will say too that we will be sharing a bonus episode where I make Michael watch an episode of The Babysitter's Club because one other character in the media is Stacey McGill. Stacey McGill. Who has diabetes type 1. Um, So make sure you're a Patreon member so you can listen to Michael's thoughts on that one. Okay, so Steel Magnolias... It's set in a small town in Louisiana, and Shelby is getting married. Shelby's played by Julia Roberts, and her mum is Sally Field. Sally Field turns up again in our podcast. Amazing. (laughs) Um, So everyone's getting ready for the wedding. Daryl Hannah has turned up. She's, like, staring at everyone. She's come to town, and she's decided to get a job with Truvy, who is played by Dolly Parton, with amazing hair. And she gets, uh, she gets to know everyone. There's also Olympia Dukakis's character, Clary, who's just this lovely old lady. Matron. Uh, yeah, uh, a widow. 
And there's also Shirley MacLaine, who plays Weezer, who's just like a bitch to everyone. She's a really nasty person. <laughs> really like. horrible person. But, but you know what? Clary loves her. <laughs> um, apparently, before they get married, oh, Julia Roberts is also getting married to Jackson, played by Dylan McDermott, who's very good looking. And apparently, before they got married, uh, Shelby was about to tell Jackson, we are not getting married because they want kids. But she's not allowed to have children. But they decide to get married anyway. Uh, but while they, she's getting ready for the wedding and they're at the hair salon with mm. everyone chatting about their bashful and blush, <laughs> <laughs> the colours she's chosen for her wedding, Shelby has a hypo. Mm. And then we discover that she's a diabetic and she's got to drink the juice. <laughs> <laughs> and when I first saw this movie... Me and my brother would just laugh <laughs> and laugh at this scene. It is hilarious. And keep making fun of the things she says because it's really intense and it's like you just have to laugh. <laughs> um, so anyway. She has like convulsions. She's like sweating and her mum has to force. Force juice down juice her throat. <laughs> and then she comes good. We'll talk more about yeah, what it's presented as it's later. Just... <laughs> it's so, like, her personality completely changes. Mm. Um, also, throughout this movie, like, it seems like all the men are just shit. They're all just shit men. Yeah. <laughs> They're all, the, the husband's shooting birds, Sally Field's husband, and all the other ones have gone and taken off and... Dolly Parton's husband's just a bit shit. I don't know. He just hangs around. Um, and then we sort of cut to Christmas time and, oh, my God, the southern 1989 people do Christmas <laughs> over the top. Where You know, Daryl Hannah's having a great time. She's settled into the town. And then Shelby tells her mum that she's pregnant. How did she take it? Oh, my goodness. I haven't said Sally Field's name in this movie is Malin. 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 How is that spelt? M apostrophe L I double N. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not pick up on that. Yeah. Malin. Malin. <laughs> Obviously, it's like a you know short for something. I guess it's name. like Mary Lynn. Probably, but everyone. It sounds calls like something Malin. a dog would say when it's licking its chops. Malin. <laughs> anyway, no judgment. <laughs> so. Shelby tells Malin that she's pregnant and Malin is immediately like, you shouldn't be pregnant. Why are you being pregnant? You're this is not a good thing. This is a bad thing. Um, all the doctors and specialists have said you can't have babies and your body can't handle it. And they have a big fight. <laughs> and then eventually at like their Christmas party, Shelby's dad announces that she's pregnant and then all the girls get together and talk to Malin and say, hey, you know, just be supportive, just be happy. What, can, what else can you do? And so she does accept Shelby's having a baby. The baby's born. Yeah. And he's fine and he's cute and he reminds me of our baby. <laughs> we cut to, like, his first birthday. He's born on the 4th of July. And then um, Shelby doesn't appear. Like, we just see someone holding the baby, but we don't know who it is. And I'm like, what? And then she sort of turns up later and she goes and gets her hair cut with her mum, with all the gals who we mentioned earlier. And then, it like, she gets her hair cut super short and it's obviously a really bad wig. And then everybody finds out that she's actually going through kidney failure and she's on dialysis, dialysis yeah. because of 
the effect that the the birth had, the pregnancy and the, the birth di- had on diabetes and the birth, yeah, the pregnancy. Yeah, mm. but that's all we we kind of only hear having having baby Jack. <laughs> Just my body can handle it, so I'm on dialysis. Um, and what it turns out that Malin is giving Shelby one of her kidneys, and they go in for the surgery, and then they come out of the surgery, and it all seems like everything's okay. But then it cut to it's Halloween, and Shelby's on duty as a nurse, and then she collapses when she gets home. Oh, it's an awful scene. Uh, Jackson shows up. And little Jack, their son, points out where mum is and she's unconscious. So she ends up in the hospital. She's in a coma. She's on a ventilator, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's and in the, she gets the whole kitten caboodle. Kitten caboodle. And you see Malin trying to get her to wake up, but eventually they realise she's not going to wake up. So they turn off her ventilator and she dies. After the, the funeral, there's a Sally Field trying to... Malin trying to come to terms with her daughter's death and having her gals around her to support her. And then right at the end, I think it's like Easter, Daryl Hannah's character is, oh, what's her name? I don't remember. Anail. 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 Daryl Hannah's character is pregnant. She's going to name it Shelby and she goes into labour. So the end of the movie is them rushing to the hospital because life goes on. The and and I'm sorry for mocking the southern accent, but I just love it. <laughs> it's an homage. It's an homage. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, we could talk forever about whether this is a high or low quality film. <laughs> look, there's definitely some, some ups and downs. There's a couple of decent performances and it's, you know, nice, the sisterhood and shit. Yeah. It's also fucking shithouse. <laughs> Look, I feel like it was a movie very much of its time. But, you know, when I think of this movie, I also think of a lot of late 80s movies with big hair and lots of just soapy sort of storylines. Good family values. Yeah, good American family values. Yeah. Can't movie. Mm. Um, <laughs> I didn't do this in Forrest Gump. I don't know why I'm doing it so much now. <laughs> it's um, Dolly Parton. And to That's be honest... She was the best person in this movie. I mean, Sally Field, come on. I think I'm in love with Sally Field after She's a, all of the movies that we've watched. I found her performance quite good. Let's talk about lived experience. Yeah. So the author, who is Robert Harling, he wrote it based on his sister's experience. So his younger sister, Susan, died in 1985 due to diabetes. Um, and Robert Harling wrote it because a, a writer friend encouraged him to write it all down in order for him to come to terms with the experience. And he originally wrote it as a short story for his nephew, which is cute. Mm. Um, and then later he um, it evolved apparently in 10 days into a play. And the pl- play was performed off-Broadway to great acclaim, was translated into 17 languages, and then he wrote the screenplay for the film version in 1989. He also played a small role in the film as a minister. In the movie? Yeah. Oh, good for him. Yeah. But, um, really exercising the, the demon of his It's loss. It's worth knowing his sister died from diabetic complications after the birth of his nephew and the failure of a family member's donated kidney. So the kidney um, transplant did not work for right. his sister. 
Um, which is pretty much, I guess, what is implied is what happens in the film. <laughs> but it's not really discussed. So I guess Robert Harling obviously wrote it from very lived experience as his as the brother. That's good. Points. Points. Um, the director was Herman Ross. And he was a dancer and choreographer and Broadway director and directed like really famous musicals like Goodbye Mr. Chips, Funny Lady and Footloose. Wasn't gay though. Was okay. married. Fair enough. <laughs> um, that experience kind of shows in the um, emotional nuance of Steel Magnolias, <laughs> of which there is basically zero. <laughs> Maybe he must have really nailed down the, the hypo scene. Because of all the dramatics. It was very carefully choreographed. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I couldn't find any lived experience of him with anything. I think he's just one of those directors that directed so much shit. Yeah. We've talked about Sally Field already, but like, I'm just drawn to Sal. I don't know. Uh, Just to remind you, she experienced depression and eating disorders since she was 19 and she was... Um, abused by her stepfather and Burt Reynolds, her oh. um, ex-husband, which oh. Maz did mention when we were doing Forrest Gump. So why are we give him the flick? Give Burt Reynolds the flick. Is he cancelled? Is he done? They don't cancel someone like Burt Reynolds, Michael. They cancelled Bill Cosby. Yeah, but Bill Cosby abused many, 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 many. Burt Reynolds abused Sally Field. <sighs> Well, I would love to cancel Burt Reynolds, but anyway. Let's do it. All right, no, come on, guys. Let's do it. Let's call it right now. He's done. Well, I'm no, I hate he... hearing all these fucked up stories that nobody's talking about I now, know. like when we found We've out come about up um... Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. No one cares about them. No one cares because it happened, you know, a while ago and, and it gets swept under the rug and then something else blows up that's more recent, and yeah. which is great, but like. Who cares about Brent Reynolds anymore anyway? Mm. So Juro. Yes. Julie Roberts. <laughs> let's talk about her. She dated Dylan McDermott, who was her co-star in this movie. Ah, oh, cute. Also a lot of other men. Um, I read that she's given a lot of time and resources to UNICEF and narrated a documentary about Rett syndrome, which is great, but it was called Silent Angels, which I hate. Um, I don't know what Rett syndrome is. It's a... De- developmental disorder. I oh, okay. did have a girl with Rett syndrome in my caseload once. Um, ID and sensory issues. And do they not talk? Uh, they can be nonverbal. Is that why it's called Silent Angels? Must be. Yuck. And just angels, like yeah, you know, also. they've got more personality. Everyone. I don't. No one wants to be an angel. Um, she's had depression. Um, also her sister died of an overdose, which according to the Daily Mail, so, you know, just take that with a grain of salt, was ruled a suicide and the suicide note, uh, was really blamey of Julia. Oh. But I mean, why would Daily Mail even report that? Cause they're awful and corrupt and terrible. Yeah, that's true. They probably got it off a hacked phone really or some shit. Not good reporting of suicide. So. Yeah. Yeah. But that sucks. So. Um, obviously it's not a lived experience of diabetes, but you know, we're always interested in people's lived experience. Yeah. Get this, Olympia Dukakis, who I know as the mum from Look Who's Talking. (laughs) I know her as a supporting actor in Steel Magnolias. (laughs) I liked her character. She seemed really like, she was like the Samantha of the group. Yeah, totally. Yeah, she was like, oh God. (laughs) 
Um, she actually, before she became an actress, because she was a bit late in life as an actress, um, she majored in physical therapy and treated patients with polio during the epidemic when she was younger. Oh, so that's amazing. good on her. She needs to get more. She needs to get more cred. She's actually died now, in May twenty twenty one. That's so recent. R.A.P. Olympia. Oh, Vale. Also, her mum died of Alzheimer's, and she used. She was very interested in Alzheimer's and was drawn to films with Alzheimer's as a result, like away from her. She was in that. Okay. Yeah. This isn't my era of film. No, that's why <laughs> I'm, I'm doing is. all the talking. <laughs> let me oh, tell no, here you. Here we go, Shirley MacLaine. Let me tell you about Shirley MacLaine. Do you know anything <laughs> no, about Shirley MacLaine? Oh, my God. She's cooked. Okay. She's fucked. So just to start with, she had long-running affairs with Lord Mountbatten. Isn't it Montbaton? I don't, I don't know. know. I've only watched The Crown once. Yeah, that's he's a character from The Crown. He's a character from The Crown. And Australian politician and two-time Liberal leader Andrew Peacock. Huh. Don't remember him. No. But there you go. She, she liked her politicians. <laughs> but our dear friend Anthony Hopkins said, Sir, Anthony, Sir yeah. Anthony, that she was the most obnoxious actress I've ever worked with. Oh, I can just imagine him saying that. And I bet... It takes a lot to piss off Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, he seems like he's got he seems patience like a of a saint. Okay, so she's really into spirituality and she's, I would say there's some mental illness there maybe personally, I don't know. Okay. She believes that in a previous life in Atlantis. She Atlantis. Was Atlantis. Okay. Atlantis. Yeah. She was the brother to a 35,000-year-old spirit named Ramtha. Oh. Channeled by the American mystic teacher and author J.Z. Knight. Um, I don't know who that is. And she believed that her daughter's father, Steve, was not her real father, but a clone of the real one. And the real one was an astronaut named Paul. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It gets worse, though. Um, She claimed that the victims of the Holocaust were experiencing the results of their own karma. And she she suggested that Stephen Hawking subconsciously caused himself to develop ALS as a means to focus better on physics. Oh, fuck. That's rank. So if we're going to cancel anyone in this episode. Yeah, fuck Shirley MacLaine. It's Shirley MacLaine. Particularly for dating a lib. (laughs) Oh. But let's just be honest, I'm being a bit ageist here, but she's 87. So, you know, some of these comments were pretty recent. Like, who wants, maybe we shouldn't give too much weight in what an 87 year old known bitch I vehemently disagree with you. (laughs) Um, Maybe she's got like schizotypal or something. Those are some unusual beliefs. Well, her daughter wrote a biography. Of her, I've never been interested in Shelley McLean, but I'm actually really interested <laughs> to read it. Um, and it sounds like she was a super absent, quite narcissistic mum. Okay. I'm, I'm diagnosing her with narcissistic personality oh, disorder. Yeah, it's your favourite at the moment. And of course, Shelley said it was a complete work of fiction's all lies. So uh, very narcissistic. It's funny that she wouldn't believe a biography that her daughter wrote, but she believes that she, in a past life, was. <laughs> <laughs> That's related to a 35,000-year-old person. (laughs) My mum was mean to me. That's not true. (laughs) How can you believe that? I'm 35,000 years old. (laughs) Um, Oh, wow. That's (laughs) fascinating. I'd like to see some more Shirley MacLaine movies now. Well, 
she's usually kind of a bitch in her movies. Like she's mm. always that brassy woman and that's yeah. how she made her sort of splash yeah. into cinema when she was younger. She's definitely that in Steel Magnolias. But she's definitely like not a feminist or anything. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds like she's just a bitch in real life. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Well, interesting. Yeah. Let's just segue from Do- from um, Shirley to just end on a really nice note about Dolly. Dolly. I don't care about Dolly Parton's music. Never been interested in country music. And, you know, I can appreciate it. But, man, she's amazing. So Dolly Parton, which we uh, has come in the news quite recently, so hopefully you're already aware, she donated $1 million to, the, to research for the vaccine, for the COVID vaccine, which then became the Moderna vaccine. Oh. So anyone who's got the Moderna max vaccine, it's because of Dolly. <laughs> um, she's also supported rural health programs in Appalachia. 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 And see, it all comes around full circle. They are at disproportionate risk for chronic illness and disease. Mm. Um, So she helped fund uh, a medical center for women's health ward and raised $1 million for a hospital and cancer center in Tennessee. Fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, She recently, her health has been in the news a little bit. She developed Bell's palsy and there's like, you know, some tabloids suggesting she may have had a stroke. Um, who knows what, what the case is. Right. I mean, that's neither here nor there. Mm. But what I really want to say is there's a podcast called uh, Dolly Parton's America. It's been out for years. I've never listened to it, but I'd like to. Um, she experienced some depression and uh, contemplated suicide. Mm. At the time where she was going through a lot of abdominal pain and bleeding, um, she had a partial hysterectomy and was told she would never be able to have children, which led to the depression, and she was having to cancel tours and stuff. And it turns out she had endometriosis. Oh. So she is probably the only person in this film that actually has a chronic illness yeah. that we know of. And endo is fucked. Yeah. And it's one of those really underdiagnosed things and a lot of women have it and get sort of poo-pooed by doctors because it's like, oh, you just have bad periods. Um, but, you know, this was going on in the early 80s. Poor Dolly didn't know Poor what was going Dolly. on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have mad respect for Dolly Parton. Yeah, no, this movie's definitely boosted her in my esteem. Yeah. Not that I ever really had any thoughts about Dolly other than... Trixie Mattel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely an influence. <laughs> and The Office. So that's, you know, this is why I like doing movies like this, because you learn a lot about some of the actors that you wouldn't have normally. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the accuracy of the diabetes portrayal in this movie. So I want to ask this question first. Michael, the hypo. Yeah. Let's go through that scene. Okay. Let's go through that scene. Yeah. Drink the juice, shall we? <laughs> so, yeah, she's, like, convulsing and sweating. But let's let's go beyond that, though, before that, before that. <laughs> okay. They're doing her hair. She's chatting away. Oh, someone else is chatting. And then we see her and she's, like, touching her neck. And she looks really anxious and, like, she's trying to keep it together, but she's really struggling and she starts sweating. Mm. And then suddenly um, she, she hits Dolly Parton away from her and says, don't touch me. Well, don't don't touch. And then um, that's when her mum, Malin, was like, okay, what's going on? And then it sort of escalates from there. Yeah. She has a full-on, like, it's almost like a seizure. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Which is a thing. You can have hypoglycemic seizures. And just just explain, a hypo is a hypoglycemic. Meaning your blood sugars are low. Yeah. And so what's the, what's the normal range of blood sugar in Australia? 
Gee whiz. Um, it's, like it's something like four to six. So four to six. Millimoles per litre. Okay. <laughs> if you go below four, then that's a warning sign for you that your sugars are going down. But anything below four is considered hypoglycemic. Doctors start getting worried when you get into the twos mm-hmm. and then freak out when you get into the ones. Okay. And what can happen if you go too low? Um, there's like a classic thing with anything in medicine when it, that involves something being deranged, like whether it's your sugars or, you know, an electrolyte or blood pressure or something, you kind of go seizure, coma, death. Okay. Um, once it's gotten way out of hand. Yeah. 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 So that's what can happen with, um, hypoglycemia. Yeah. So how accurate is her sort of crash? Like what do you experience when you have a hypo? So when I get like into the high threes, like mm. when my sugars have just sort of dipped down into that area, um, I get sort of tremulous, maybe a bit sweaty, heart racy, and just feel, it's a weird feeling that I can't quite describe, but it's sort of a weird sort of hollowness mm. and light, just sort of lightness. Yeah. It, the way you describe it sounds like a panic attack to me. I think, yeah, they're they're similar. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what it sort of looks like in this movie. But yeah. she kind of regresses and refuses for anyone to, to help her as well. Yeah. And I haven't seen you do that. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I in terms of accuracy of this, there's a few reasons. I think it's just like pure fantasy. And I probably, I would suggest that the writer, when he watched this movie back, was probably like, wow, they really like movie magic <laughs> hypoglycemia. I suspect he never saw his sister. Oh, he probably did, but maybe he wrote the script and they interpreted it as like, oh, Julia, you got to go hardcore <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, it just, yeah, I don't know. So... I, I guess if you think about it chronologically and, and in terms of accuracy, like one of the main goals of diabetes management is avoiding hypos because yeah. they're dangerous. Yeah. Um, you can die. Yeah. So one of the main things you're doing when you're educating patients or like when I'm being, when I was educated was these are all the symptoms of hypoglycemia, like impending hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. Look out for these. As soon as you start feeling these, check your sugars. Mm-hmm. If you're low, eat something. Um, now she wouldn't have been able to check her sugars yeah, because, because it was this the 80s is 1989. Those sorts of, that technology wasn't as accessible. It's just, it, it's interesting to me. Obviously she's had it for a while. Like everyone in the hair salon knows she has diabetes except for Anel, who's new. Yeah. Um, and like, they've got juice on hand. They've got lollies, candy, um, <laughs> in the salon. So they're all aware. Yeah. Um, but it takes a while from the symptoms starting to her to get to that point before anyone even notices. Yeah. Um, I just, I think when she's sitting there and she's starting, it looks like she's starting to get a little bit like, mm, something's up. And then she starts sweating. Mm. Somewhere between those two points, she should have been like, oh, I think I'm going to have a hypo. I should have some sugar. Yeah. That's, um, that's the thing. Like, seems like she's a neurotypical person. <laughs> she seems pretty switched on. Yeah. So the fact that she doesn't um, say anything is just odd to me. Yeah. And it isn't until she starts getting tetchy that her mum even notices. Yeah. And then just the fact like, that Like, wouldn't she... you be like, hey, just in case, I'll have some juice on me. Yeah. And just the fact that she goes from like, oh, I feel a bit off. Oh, I'm a bit sweaty. I'm having a seizure. <laughs> That's 
I don't, I'm not certain that's real. But it also feels like, and this is what we used to make fun of it, she sort of, she turns into this like baby who goes, no, I'm not going to get her away from me. Leave me alone. And then don't talk about me like I'm not here. (laughs) Sorry, I had to say it. I just don't, I don't. Does your personality change? Uh, no, I don't think so. Like, Do I you definitely refuse help? I get irritable. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't... I don't see myself refusing... I've, I've never but said... But having, having a hypo... I've never said, eat the jelly beans, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Having a hypo feels fucking awful. Yeah, it sounds awful. Um, and uh, you want it to end ASAP. So I guess I've never been in a situation where I can't physically feed myself some glucose. Mm-hmm. Um but I think if I were in that situation and you were there and, you know, you were going to give me the injection, the glucagon, or the which juice. you've been trained in and you know how to do, mm-hmm. um, I would not resist. <laughs> um, but you know what? Maybe if my sugars were super low, maybe you do. I, I can't, I don't have any lived experience of that yeah. to tell you. Well, I guess we do learn that obviously her kidneys aren't doing so well. So it might be that it's not, a, not well-managed diabetes and she gets that low. That to the point where she loses all rational thought. Possibly, yeah. I did read a few articles with a couple of people that were like, yeah, that feels, that looks right to me. Like, that's how I feel. But especially that moment where she comes out of it and goes, I'm sorry. Like, it's when you come out of it and go, oh, shit, I've just had a hypo and all these Mm. people are worried about me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you manage it well enough to not get to that point, though. Maybe. Yeah, Mm. you're right. And You've never really collapsed or anything. No, no. That's true. Yeah. Maybe I should. Maybe I'm talking out of turn. But it is a very dramatic portrayal. <laughs> it yeah. Seems a bit OTT. And as one of the first movies that um, show diabetes, it's like pretty confronting. Yeah. For people to see. Also because it's the sort of disease that I don't think people get too excited about. Mm. Like. Um, yeah, they had to make it really obvious and. Dramatic for people to get excited about it. Yeah, yeah. My next question, Michael. Yeah. In the film, they say regularly, Shelby, you can't have kids because you're a diabetic. Yeah. Is this accurate? I don't think diabetes, like type 1 itself, is a contraindication to pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that she's got some sort of kidney disease from it well, like, you know, obviously nobody tells us her EGFR or creatinine levels, so I don't know where her kidney disease is at. Please explain to the audience <laughs> well, what like that we, means. Well, like, we don't know how bad her kidneys are mm. prior to getting pregnant. So, uh, like, having high sugar fucks the small blood vessels in your kidneys mm. um, and that causes them to be shit. Okay. Having kidney disease and pregnancy is hard to manage i Mm -hmm. believe um i think you can still do it yeah um but maybe not in 1989 yeah it's just they never explicitly said shelby you have kidney disease that's why you can't have a baby i thought they did no i never heard it said it's only after she's on dialysis that they talk about right but i I think it's a bit of a stretch like in today's terms i don't think that having a kidney impairment Unless yeah. it was, unless it was like completely, ca- I don't think you could have a baby if you're on dialysis. Mm. I'm almost certain you couldn't. Yeah. But I'm not an obstetrician or an endocrinologist. So. <laughs> oh, look, do you don't have to have. If you, talk to your doctor if you're thinking about getting pregnant. Michael, these, 
these days you don't have to have any credentials to talk about stuff that you have no understanding of <laughs> and people to to listen to your thoughts. That's true. Um, apparently in the 2012 made-for-TV remake of this film with an all-star black cast, which is... Ah. Good on you, mates. Yes. Um, it's explained in the film that it's not because of diabetes that Shelby can't have children, but that she has kidney disease. Right. Um, so it's more explicit. Okay. That. Fair. Yeah. And, you know, reading articles, there is a lot of people that thought diabetes meant you couldn't have kids from this movie. Well. That's not true. File that under harmful. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other part of the film I think we should talk about with accuracy is, like, her collapse and the coma and her death. Yeah. Um, I find it probably inaccurate that a nurse working in a hospital, if she's starting to have symptoms, she would just go home. Yeah. Instead of stay at the hospital, maybe get someone to check her out. Yeah, it's a good place to have um, a Given that she's a mum of a, of a one-year-old, or however old he is at that point, um, you know, and she just, like, sort of collapses a bit, keeps going rather than, like, deals with it. Yeah. Why doesn't she just deal with it? I mean, that's my question for all the hypos we see in this film. But is it a hypo that she collapses from, though? I'm pretty sure. There's no other explanation. Because, like, I re- when I was reading um, the Wikipedia entry for this film, in the plot it says... Shelby is comatose, having contracted an infection in a central nervous system due to the suppressive therapy that keeps her body from rejecting the kidney. Maybe that's explained in the play, but I don't remember any explanation of that in the movie. Okay, no. It doesn't even I, look I just like thought it was there was hypo. any problem with the, the kidney in the first place. Yeah, sure. Maybe we missed, missed I don't know. something. But yeah, that nobody ever said anything about an infection that I remember. No. Anyway, but that would make a lot more sense. Because I thought that she was, like, leaving work and she has one of those moments, like, in an ad for painkillers or something mm. where she, like, touches her brow and she's like, <sighs> yeah, and then she sort of walks off and then the next minute she's at home. And I thought that she was starting to feel a bit low then. It had just progressed to the point that she collapsed. Yeah. Um, but if it's, a, if it's an infection, that makes a bit more sense. It does, but also... She just seems like a very health illiterate diabetic and nurse to not seek help i know but maybe it's just because she's stubborn she is painted as this sort of i can do it i get on with things type of character which i guess maybe yeah maybe she's just trying to um suck it up well that's a message in itself isn't it it's an important lesson you can't ignore your health yeah after all she's been through she's still trying yeah yeah yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird... A, a, it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, it is a bit confusing. And you can tell because we both have different interpretations of what's going on. But, like, I read also read an article or two saying that, you know, this is a bit weird, this part. As a nurse, she probably would have been able to figure out those symptoms were problematic a lot earlier and been able to manage them. Yeah. Etc. Um, but I guess she ends up in a in a coma, which is also what it, you know. It seemed like a diabetic coma she was in. I get, but she wasn't. I thought she was just. I thought she infection. she must have just been so sick from whatever it was that caused her to collapse. That mm. I think she was effectively she'd effectively died, but she was in ICU yeah. being ventilated. But they don't they don't explain it. They it's really don't. Yeah, but I guess you know the film isn't about Shelby dies. No. The film is about 
The Power of Female Friendship. <laughs> which is kind of what Beaches was about, which is another movie where someone dies and it's, that's all I think about, but it's about female friendship. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, in terms of accuracy, there's a couple of things that I would talk about in Please. terms of... Well, just type 1 diabetes is sort of in some ways a unique disease in that 99% of the management is done by the patient. Yeah. And just the amount of time it takes up in your day-to-day life and the amount of diligence and knowledge that it requires to manage. Mm. Obviously, this movie is about female friendship. Um, But if it wanted to just do a little tiny bit of activism advocacy for diabetes, maybe we could have seen her inject herself with insulin once. Maybe. But tell me, Michael... Well, how did you treat diabetes in 1989? Yeah, it, it, it's changed could, a could lot. Could you inject yourself with insulin? Like yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. So injecting insulin has been the mainstay. It is really the only treatment mm. um, for type 1, and that has been the case since the 20s. Really? Yeah. Do you want to know the history of diabetes? Michael, let's segue into the history of diabetes. Okay, so I read a few articles about the history of um, diabetes and its management. Interestingly, the first recorded mention of diabetes is from about 1500 BC. Wow. The ancient bloody Egyptians, um, there was a... Needed some chew. Um, They recorded an unnamed disease which caused... Um, rapid weight loss, thirst, and weighing a lot, <laughs> like which is exactly classic, what I had. Um, so the the pharaoh's experts recommended a mixture of water from the bird pond, elderberry, ah. fibers from the acid plant, milk, beer. Sounds like a really good cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> cucumber flour and green dates. Honestly, that sounds like an amazing cocktail. It sounds like an interesting broth. Yeah. Can we make one for your... <laughs> yeah, sure. For an RCT. <laughs> that versus insulin for the treatment of diabetes. <laughs> okay. Um, it didn't work. Uh, Randomised control trial. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, and also in ancient India, they, they would take people's urine and put it on the ground and if ants were attracted to it, they'd say yes you have diabetes because your wee is sweet when, yeah. you, when, you are, when your sugars are high. Because isn't your um, breath sweet as well when your sugars are high? That's if you are um, having a diabetic emergency. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, but they called their name for diabetes was um, in... Sweet piss. Honey urine. <laughs> close. <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah. Well, the, the, the full name is diabetes mellitus mm. and mellitus just means sweet. Because the English doctors in like the 1700s had also figured out that your piss actually tasted sweet. Wow. They didn't have the brains to figure out maybe try ants. (laughs) (laughs) Get someone else to do the piss drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if a vampire sucked your blood, they'd be like, Mm. oh, I'm not ready for dessert. (laughs) Wow, interesting. (laughs) So it's been around for like forever. I mean, obviously it has, but it's been known forever. Um, Anyway, things really started kicking off in terms of insulin and stuff 
uh, and figuring out what caused diabetes because they thought that it was a kidney disease because it made you pee a lot. So mm. that made sense. Um, but in the late 1800s, they figured out that if you take a dog's pancreas out, it gets diabetes and dies. Always think, how fucked up are the people who decided to run these experiments? Yeah. What um, if what happens if I take away this vital organ from this animal? Yeah. Oh, it oh, died. Wow. Write that down. <laughs> and then they figured out that if, it, about 30 years later, they figured out that if you, like, grind up the dog's pancreas and inject it into a diabetic dog, it gets better. So they successfully treated a diabetic dog with a pancreas extract in 1921. And then in 1922, these fucking hotshots um, did the same thing with a, uh, like a teenager with diabetes who was like effectively moribund. Yeah. They, they injected into both of his buttocks this muck brown oh. concoction of ground up pancreas. From a dog. Uh, I assume it would have been from an animal. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I assume. Yeah. Um, and they cured him. He wow. lived for 13 more years, which wow. he would have died probably in a matter of weeks. Or yeah. I mean, that's the thing that you should, that, that we should stress is that up until 1920 and, and really like 1960, mm. if you got diabetes, you were dead. Yeah. Weeks to months, you'd die. Yeah. Which from a um, lived experience point of view, I find really difficult to think about. Yeah. Because Me too. it's just your lucky that I was born when I was. Yeah. Because if I wasn't, I'd be dead. Yeah. Um, I find that really hard to actually internalize. That's yeah. just something I keep separate from my brain. Yeah. It's like, that's a fact. I don't need to think about it. It's not really relevant, but it's also an intense thing to think yeah. about. Yeah. It's one of those thoughts that if you got stuck on it for too long, you would drive yourself a little bit mentally ill. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, Banting. Banting and Best figured it out. And Good on you, Banting and Best. I'm not sure if this is a joke a or not, bit. but there was somebody I went to uni with through med school who I believe her surname is Banting. I'm pretty sure she someone told me once that she was related to him. I gotta thank her. Go on, thank her. I gotta her. thank Yeezy. <laughs> you gotta shoot a bootleg of her. <laughs> um anyway, so that's insulin. The rest of the development of insulin is kind of boring. There's different, like, some insulin acts quickly, some acts over the course of a day. Some of it comes from humans, some from animals. I think most of it comes from humans now. It doesn't really matter. How do you get the insulin from humans? Do they donate it? I actually don't know. Wow. What I will say, though, when it comes to insulin is that in the 80s, it would have been considered a complicated regimen if she was taking more than one injection a day. Mm-hmm. So and I, how many injections per day do you usually have? So I take, I have three shots of fast-acting insulin and one shot of long-acting insulin in a mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. and that's standard. It's called a basal bolus yep. regimen. Tell me, Michael. Yes. You there are different ways to measure your blood sugar. Yeah. Um, and the most common way is the pin prick. Yeah, finger prick. Would that have been available? In 1989, to check your blood sugars. Um, so it sounds like that there were that there were these really cumbersome ways of measuring blood glucose in mm. the uh, up until about the 80s. Um, so they'd either need a lot of blood, or mm. there was some weird thing that I couldn't quite get a, get my head around. Like I think they did P tests for okay. glucose, yeah. um, but there was also something about boiling your wee or something. Oh. I don't know. 
But my question is, could Shelby have checked her blood sugar before her wedding to make sure she was all good? So glucometers at home started in about 1981. And glucometers are blood glucose tests? Yeah. 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 Self-monitoring blood glucose came in in the late 80s. Okay. Um, So... 1989 is kind of in the borderline, mm-hmm. borderlands. Um, it's possible that she didn't have access to glucose testing. I'm guessing if you're super rich, you would have more no, access. No, no, no. Probably. Um, they look pretty wealthy. They so. did, but I mean, they were in like a, a country town, so maybe there was yeah. less access to that sort of thing. Yeah. So basically, anyway, the the the, the point that I, I'm getting at is her management would have been something like one or two shots of insulin a day, a fixed dose of insulin that didn't change depending on what she'd been doing or what she'd been eating or Mm -hmm. whatever. And she probably didn't have a great read on what her sugars were doing moment to moment. Yeah. Um, She possibly didn't even... There's a thing called your HbA1c, which is like your long-term blood glucose reading, sort mm-hmm. of. It's like your three-monthly idea of what your sugars have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have mine checked every six months at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that only came into wide use in the mm-hmm. late 80s as well. So okay. she may never have had that. Um, Would she have been able to... Like at the time, was there sort of management of what your triggers are and like making sure you eat regularly and, you know, when you exercise, make sure you have some some juice on you or whatever, things like that? Uh, I couldn't get a good idea. It, it seems weird to me that they wouldn't at least have some awareness of this is what it's like to have a hypo, this is what mm. you do, Yeah. this is what you need to have on you just in case. I guess, um, but you know, it, the quality of doctors in 1989 in Louisiana, who knows? Like, Yeah, that's, we, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. There's no way to tell. I might call up Julia Roberts and ask for it. <laughs> um, but apparently the paradigm then was avoid needless intrusion into daily life with mm-hmm. your diabetes management. Yeah. Whereas now it's like... More intrusion, more intrusion, <laughs> more devices. You got an arm, you put another fucking device in it. Imagine if you were so rich that you could buy all the devices <laughs> and then just make sure they're all working around the same. There are people who are so rich that they have the devices without even having diabetes. That is true. Oh, my God. Fucking assholes. <laughs> uh, that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, that's, that's I guess, kind of the relevant history of diabetes that um, I wanted to talk about. Actually, can I talk about some weird treatments just yes, quickly? Yes, please. Um, so these are from, from over the millennia, what people have come up with Is to cum treat. Is cum involved? No, no cum, but um, <laughs> the ancient Romans, I think, prescribed exercise, fair enough, preferably on horseback. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think that... The rationale was that it stopped you peeing so much, I guess, because your urethra is, like, blocked up on the horse. <laughs> um, rancid animal food. I don't what fucking know. What type of rancid That's animal That's just a direct food. quote from this article, and I just so, wanted to chuck it out there because it's so a weird three words. Pal and <laughs> Yeah, Purina? like old, old chum. <laughs> <laughs> and tobacco. 
Oh. Classic. Even I think though... tobacco was recommended for everything at <laughs> one was point. Was cocaine also in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Wow. That's the history. Um, That's super interesting. And I guess with lots of diseases, you know, there was black bile and yellow bile and yeah, all of those weird, weird yeah. humours and all sorts of strange treatments. But yeah. it's very interesting, I find. It is. So I guess in short, like if, if that's what her management plan was at that time, I think it would have been nice to see a little bit more. Just something. Just, just see her check her sugars and see her shoot up her insulin. Well, for the fact that it just looks like she's terrible at managing her chronic illness or that there's no way to manage diabetes and you're just doomed forever, which is also a very problematic message that comes from the movie like she doesn't seem to have any autonomy over it even though at mm. the time there was lots of opportunity for that autonomy yeah like she doesn't even have her own juice or or candy on her her mum has it uh, or they have it in the salon which is weird like does she hang out there every day i feel like that was just there because she offers her chocolate or something yeah which is what you would use for a hypo and she yes. says she's smart enough to say no to the chocolate do you even use juice uh yeah you can use juice or okay. like you know, but you usually you use like jelly beans. I use jelly beans, but there's lots of different things you can use. Okay. There is like a glucose paste that is like the classic treatment. It's a gel, not a paste, a gel. But very sweet. Pure glucose is disgusting. Oh, uh, like the glucose test when yeah. I got when I had to check as a, a as a pregnant lady gestational for gestational diabetes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is it's sweet, real disgusting gross. shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just from a filmmaking perspective, I mean, I guess it's effective. To see her, you know, the first act of the film, she's kind of just going along with her life and you have no idea. And then all of a sudden she's seizing in the mm. in the salon. And that's like cool, like that's a bit of a shock for the viewer and it kind of changes gears. Completely. And, like this yeah. is just a, like a fun, lovely women been supporting women movie, and then yeah. suddenly what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. It is really jarring. Mm. Um, and I guess that sort of fits with the kind of life goes on message of the film mm. where, you know, the characters we in the world, everyone knows that she's diabetic mm. and they're just, you know, life goes on. They're just doing their thing until all of a sudden hypo. Yeah. Um, but I, st- I just think that it needed, it needs to be explained. Yeah. There just needed to be some probably very clumsy exposition or even like her going shelby did you eat lunch today yeah something like that (laughs) maybe don't forget to eat lunch shelby (laughs) yeah i think sally field makes a comment like oh she's just got too much insulin on board or something like that and then afterwards she goes that one wasn't so bad like it happens all the time and she measures how bad they are like yeah like that all the time that's not well managed it it almost they they treat it like something like um epilepsy yeah where it just comes it just on comes. there's nothing you, you can't can do, do anything you about can't, it yeah. yeah um but at the which, time there would have been things you could do about it i think so it seems that way so. yeah um i think one thing i do like or that i think is slightly accurate is just before she starts like having those early symptoms of her sort of touching her neck and looking uncomfortable she's really like being real catty with her mum. Yeah. She's been real, like, negative and they're having, like, little fights and she's saying things to really rub her up the wrong way. Mm. I've seen that in, <laughs> in someone in this room and they get a little bit yeah, hypo. Well, yeah, yeah, no, the absolutely. I get super she, irritable. That, that is yeah. portrayed pretty accurately, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as a, as a carer, 
I'm not a carer. An informal carer. Um, I may have to be your carer. When when I get all my feet cut off and <laughs> you give me your kidneys. Um, Don't write that off just yet. <laughs> Could happen. Do, do, did, did Sally feel her character, did that resonate with you at all? Did you think it was a realistic depiction of the loved one of someone with diabetes? I do, I do think that there was very... Oh, like Sally Field's a great actress and I think she does portray like that worry for someone you love so much and but like not being able to control what they do and feeling like they're not taking it seriously enough mm. um, and just wanting to hover and be in control. And, you know, at one point Shelby even says, you're just jealous that you can't control me anymore. I'm a big girl. I moved out of home. <laughs> um and yeah, like I can see myself like that with Casper if he had similar problems and I definitely feel a little bit out of control sometimes when I think early on in your diagnosis I, I definitely yeah. related to that. The first week that I had diabetes, I was trying to do my normal stuff <laughs> no, no, and no. then some. <laughs> More than I normal. I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to do everything times a billion and I think you I think it's fair to say that you kind of struggled to slow oh, me down and I, I, did not I wasn't succeed. listening to you yeah. and I had several nasty hypos. I think you had some hypers. Oh, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I have hypers. They went everywhere. Very frequently, yeah. yeah. Um, so hyper is when your sugar's too high. Yeah. Like ridiculous. But it, it, it's, you don't get as symptomatic as you do with a hypo. You just get you kind shitty of, with people. Yeah, you do get a bit <laughs> shitty. And you pee a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and you get thirsty. But you can cop the odd hyper, the hypos that they really don't like you having, mm. the doctors and educators. I mean, it's not good to have hypers either. No. But there's nothing we can really do about it, is there, apart from just... It's just your insulin dose and your intake of carbs. Yeah. And your exercise. So you go for a jog. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the experience of carers is is just as or almost as important oh, as yeah, the experience 100%. of the person with the condition. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. You know, especially in Shelby's case, she obviously was quite quite unwell. Um, and, you know, this is a movie about women supporting women, but it's not a very feminist film. Don't know how much her husband really helped at he, any point. Yeah, he was fairly hands-off. Was it really a carer? <laughs> yeah. He didn't donate his kidney, but maybe it wasn't a good match. Who knows? Should we talk about stereotypes? Let's talk about stereotypes. Um, so... Just on that note of, of men, there's a big stereotype of, like, all the men in this movie are all pricks and bastards. But, you know, that's probably an accurate stereotype, isn't it? Oh. Ew. Um, <laughs> but. It, it's true, they are all pretty slack. But they, uh, most of them have their, like, redemption moment. Like, the dad who seems like such a fuckhead with his stupid hat and shooting at the birds and stuff. Like, he has a nice... He loves moment. his he loves his daughter and he yeah. loves his wife. Um, and um, Spud, <laughs> Spud, Dolly's, Dolly's husband. husband. Um, I uh, did laugh, and I think I said to you right at the end of the movie, or at the end of that bit, like this. There's, there's like a storyline that Spud's just not into the marriage and it's all stale and shit and they've got a shit son. That... I think he's super depressed. Like he's, yeah, he, seems he really can't s- hold down a job and he, and then he, goes he avoids away for a while. social 
things and seems a bit withdrawn. And then he goes to work on an oil rig. Yeah, for like... For like doing, you know, weeks on and then a week off sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then he comes back, right, at the end of the movie and he was like, you know, Shelby's died. And he's like, I was just thinking about how sad it would be when you died. And it's like, oh, my marriage is back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they've yeah. Got, they're, they're more positive about their marriage and, and Dolly's feeling more, like, happy because he said if she died... He wouldn't like it. (laughs) Spud says, fellas, if you're ever struggling with your lady, tell her you don't want her to die. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I was, I've been listening to Clementine Ford's audio book, the first audio book I've listened to. And honestly, I I put it on, I fall asleep and I have to go back to the next (laughs) again. But. Um, one of the chapters of her book, Boys Will Be Boys, about how she talks a lot about, you know, the movies she grew up with and how she loved so many movies with strong female characters, but they always only had one or two. Mm. Um, and, you know, of this era of of movies, like she, she stated the statistics of men versus women in movies and it's something like 70% men who speak as well, like some of the most prominent female um characters have very few lines as well mm. like princess leia barely speaks yeah. in her in star wars um but this movie is like full women talking the entire time so yeah. that's really pretty big for that time I yeah like yeah you know the men aren't uh, you know it passes the Bechdel test with flying colors yeah and it's more the men that we don't hear any backstories from yeah at all. yeah um but having said that it's not like a super feminist film. It's just, I know this isn't a stereotype, but it kind of subverts that stereotypes of movies at the time. Mm. Mm. But I want to talk about my diabetes. I know, Steph. but mm. <laughs> in terms of diabetes stereotypes, you die. <laughs> you get maybe sick. they did you more. You die. I should have looked up the mortality stats and stuff in the nineteen eighties. In the eighties, but I, it. it <laughs> I assume that they were worse than they are now. Oh, 100%. But, yeah. Um, yeah, probably. But I feel like that was of its time too. Like, you know, I'm thinking of so many movies where like the sick role is a really big part of it and they're in the hospital bed with tubes in their mouth and everyone's trying to get them to wake up. Like I feel mm. like I watched a lot of movies like that when I was younger. Yeah. Beaches, I mentioned it earlier, is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Did, have you ever seen Beaches? I haven't seen Beaches. No, you don't want to watch it. <laughs> Um, and I remember like, cause, you know, I role played all the time as a kid and I remember role playing like lying in bed with pretending I had, <laughs> you know, have a straw up my nose, <laughs> being the sick person. Yeah. Cause there's something, you know, Julia Roberts looks stunning even when she's like about to die. Oh like, yeah. Which is bullshit. But... Absolute bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a very, very well dying person. Yeah. Well, um, well looking. As was, um forgotten her name in beaches like you yeah. know she just has she's a bit out of breath but she looks quite fine um but nobody wants to go to the movies to see somebody who actually looks like they're about to die yeah it's no no one wants Bruises to see and, that yeah. yeah decaying um but yeah it was so dramatic hmm. yeah you know there's some sort of sort of i don't know like glorifying of that a little bit of that Helpless, sick role. It's yeah. like, you know, rescuing the princess kind of trope. Yeah, true. Any any other stereotypes related to diabetes that you want to share? I guess because it's, I don't know, what are the diabetes stereotypes? There um, aren't many. Yeah, and 
there's no not just that you're going to die. This, this really, movie created them. This is the diabetes movie. Yeah, yeah this so, is the stereotype like, I can't right here. Point to anything else that's like all these movies do this. You can't have kids. You um, when you have a hypo, you completely regress into a child, and you don't you don't have any control over it, and you die. I guess the stereotype would yeah would just be oh you have diabetes you're really really sick you can't do anything and even in, if you in try a way really Shelby hard. is trying to buck that um, and she can't. One stereotype that I think may have come out of it is how she's like constantly just happy and matter of fact about it the whole time. She yeah. never at one point gets sad about her diabetes or yeah um, maybe she never seems to be inconvenienced by it, like physically in the movie she's just like i'm gonna do what i want to do and i'm gonna be positive about it and whatever happens happens yeah and i guess that's a stereotype that the the chronic the the, the person with a chronic illness doesn't care about it. just needs to have the right attitude yeah yeah exactly like you're only as disabled as you want to be yeah which is bullshit yeah um and i guess the, the stereotype your only disability is a bad attitude yeah <laughs> Um, and and feeding into that as well, I think we've probably talked about this before, is um, the metaphor of illness as a battle. Yeah. Like you just need to beat your diabetes. You just got to be strong. Yeah. And like, you know, Shelby was strong. She just battled to the end. Yeah. But sometimes you can be like, I'm, I don't want to battle right now. Yeah. Yeah. And she never, she kind of, she's either like pretending nothing's wrong or she's dying. Yeah. There's no um, in between. There's no grey, which mm. yeah, she yeah somehow inhabits both the stereotype of just needing to have a good attitude and, and also people with inevitably dying. Die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so it's so bizarre, really, isn't it? Mm. It's also another harmful thing. So obviously, harmful is going to be a, a quick mm. one. Um, but also the fact that she's been told she can't have kids. Obviously, she really wants to be a mum. She she loves being around babies. Etc. But there's always that inner message in movies like this and of this kind of conservative sort of uh, particularly American uh, environment where if you don't have a kid, then what the fuck are you going to do with your life? Sort of yeah, thing. you're not a woman or not a person. Yeah, you failed. And she's like, you know, she, she's sad. The only time she gets sad is after her hypo when she's like, you know, can't give her husband a baby and he said, well, adopt 10 kids. <laughs> Or whatever. You know, that seems to be a real, like, thing. Like, she feels like she's failing her husband if she can't give him a child. Yeah. Um, and he wants a boy. Um, and it's it's very – that's why, like, this movie is not feminist at all because yeah. there's, like, the expectation that if she doesn't have a baby, she might as well not live sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, And it's very – Yeah, and it's like she got the child – now she can now die. Now she can die, exactly. <laughs> There's this really monstrous quote that I wrote down. Where from? From the movie. I can't remember who says it. It's some man talking at the funeral to oh. um, Sally Field. Yeah. He says, her little body couldn't do everything she wanted to, so she had to go ahead to be a guardian angel. <laughs> no, I think that was... Um... Anel, who says that. Oh, Anel, that's right, it's Anel. Because <laughs> she's all religious. Yeah. Pissing everyone off. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess, like, that, I don't know what that... She says it to be it. helpful to Sally, but it is. It's like, you know, you only have value as a woman if you create children. Yeah, and then you can die and, and that's you good because you'll be a guardian angel for your children. And that's all your value is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Her only hopes and aspirations was to have a kid, and now she's got a kid. Like she's like, yeah, okay, I'll die. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I don't even care about my child isn't going to have a mum. Actually, can I talk about stereotypes? Yes. In terms of like kidney transplants. Yes, tell me. You don't just like like Both obviously it was a, a hard operation, and we see them like fretting about when they come out and if they're going to be okay and everything. Um, I feel like we could have seen more about the effects of immunosuppression in the 80s because those are nasty fucking drugs. Well, that's according to Wikipedia. That's why she died. There's an infection (laughs) from the immunosuppressants. No one said that. Um, Yeah, maybe that's a stereotype that you see in movies where somebody makes the, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. They give somebody an organ um, and then miraculously everything's okay. That's exactly Um, what happened in this movie. Yeah, I... um, I think it's a little harder than that. You reckon? Yeah, I do. You reckon? I do. I well, do given believe. that it was July that they did it, and now it's it's October and Halloween when she collapses, mm. that's like four months in between. Yeah. And everything's too sweet. Yeah. Too sweet. Uh, too sweet. That means right away in French. <laughs> <laughs> I do, you know, I can see people maybe watching the movie and going, wow, what what it? A selfish choice to choose to have a child knowing that you're probably not going to be around to have that baby. But that's only that that could only be considered selfish if you're a real conservative and believe that, you know, the child can't be raised by the dad. Yeah. And have true. a lovely, happy life. You yeah. know, as long as you've got one attached caregiver, you'll you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure people watching this movie at the time probably thought that that selfish. was a selfish choice. Mm. Which is also a harmful thing. <laughs> yeah. Can we can we get into the helpful? Let's and get harmful? into the helpful or harmful. You, we've got to admit that it's helpful in the sense that it's a movie about diabetes. Yeah, but you know, I'm learning more and more that if you're going to be like, I'm going to focus on this thing that no one talks about. If you're not going to do it well or help in a helpful way, then don't do it at all. Yeah, fair. And, you know, at the time, this is 1989, no one probably understood enough about diabetes at the time. So, you know, it was a different time. We we don't think quite as critically now. I don't know. It was just not as fashionable to be more accessible and inclusive and um, respectful of things. Yeah. You got away with more. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we should give the movie a pass. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So even though, yes, it's helpful that there was some movie about diabetes, we haven't seen one that's done better than this, really. Yeah. So it's more harmful than helpful. Yeah. If this is the only thing out there in, in the mass media that people have seen, it sets their expectations of what diabetes is. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you're right. They had a responsibility to do a better job than what they did. And it would be interesting to actually see the Broadway play because, you know, the author did it from a position where he saw it happen and wanted to, to talk about it. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, you know, whether it was to process it or not. Like, he obviously made it into a play. Yeah. Um, sorry, off-Broadway, but... Imagine if the play is, like, this really straight-faced, like... It starts when she starts noticing she's peeing all the time. She goes to the doctor. She has a really good consultation. You have diabetes. This is what you have to do. You got to eat right. You got to exercise. Blah, 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 blah. It's all about like this really. And, and then she, you know, she gets her blood test and it's like, oh, you've got, you've got diabetic nephropathy. Your kidneys are fucked. 
and it's all really, really sad and really medically driven. But then the director like took that and turned it into the movie Steel Magnolias, which is just like Dolly Parton laughing like, <laughs> around for fucking two hours. Doing people's hair. <laughs> yeah, and then Julia Roberts dies. <laughs> it's like, what, she had Look, diabetes? Hollywood was fucked. Still is fucked. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you know, there are some people that like it and like the depiction, and I guess there are some reasons why. Although I have said that, you know, Shelby doesn't seem to have any autonomy or control over her illness, she has very much chosen how she wants to live her life and she lives it the way she she decides she wants to. Mm. I mean, it is probably a helpful conversation of, have you know, when someone with chronic illness decides and chooses what they want to do with it despite recommendations from other people, you know, especially... Um, you can recommend whatever you want for someone, but it's really up to them how they want to live their lives and that's their choice. If it's not hurting anybody else, you know, if they choose not to take that recommendations or advice, then, mm. you know, you can't force it upon someone. Yeah. Um, which is probably something you'll be faced with as a doctor regularly. Of course, yeah. No, you're right. Like, um, but you really have to extract that from the film. That's not well, in the film. I think there's, you know, a mention of Shelby was, you know, she did what she wanted and she was a strong woman and that's what she wanted to do and, you know. It just would have been nice to see that just a little more explicitly, you know. I think Shelby does say it to her mum a few times. Like, you have to let me go and live my life the way I want to. There's an interesting quote that I've noted from a paediatric endocrinologist. Yes. Dr. Larry C. Deeb who finished his training in 1977 Mm -hmm. and he wrote a a pretty good article about um, how treatment has changed. Anyway, by the by, um, he sort of says that um, adherence to a a disease management plan in the literature, they generally say you can be considered adherent to your management if you do it 80% of the time. So, like, Mm. if you've got high blood pressure, if you take your tablet 80% of the time, your adherent. Yeah. If you did that in diabetes, your long-term sugars would be way out of whack. Mm. And if you if your twenty percent of not being adherent happened over the course of a few days straight, mm. you'd end up in hospital. Mm. Um, so adherence, like it's awesome that Shelby's like out there and doing her thing. If that was the point of the movie, maybe they needed to talk more about like. You know, there are risks, but these are the benefits. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't buy I, I don't buy that that's the point. A message of the film. Yeah. Yeah. But I see, I see where you're coming yeah. from. I think one thing that is a, maybe something that the writer probably wanted to get from the film was the value of Shelby's life because... Yeah. You know, at the end of the movie, it's like she's being reborn because Daryl Hannah's character. A nail is going to name her child Shelby after her. And she made obviously such a huge imprint on everyone's life. And she was a very vibrant, um, central part of all the women's life, their life in the town. Mm. Um, And her loss was obviously felt by so many people. Um, And it's like, you know, her legacy will live on. Yeah. So her value even in death was quite quite high and she wasn't sort of written off as just someone who died of a chronic illness and was always going to. Yeah. Um, Can I say, yeah. though, on the other hand, 
this is totally just a case of the person with the disability helping the other characters grow. Oh, yes. Like, oh, 100%. We should. Oh, that is definitely a trope in this film. Yeah, a billion percent. She touched everybody's life. Yeah, the fact that she's only in it for like 10% yeah, of the movie. Yeah, she's actually not in it for that often. <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a really timely thing to just bring up because of COVID. And there's so much message since it started. Um, so many conversations of people who have died of COVID who have had pre-existing conditions um, and it being, you know, oftentimes their their deaths have diminished. And, yeah, I've been guilty of it too when I find out that people have died. If I find out, you know, they're over 60, it's like, you know, for some reason that makes me feel better. It shouldn't. It, doesn't, it should do not you, make me feel better. Do you mean like when you hear in the news, oh, someone in their 30 died of COVID? So, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, but what did they have, like, besides COVID? Yeah, and often I haven't had that thought so much, luckily, but, you know, um, it's like they have less value, their death has left less value if they're in a certain cohort, yeah. like if they're already quite old yeah, or if they have a pre-existing condition, um, it's like their death doesn't mean as much because, yeah. like, well, they might have already died, you know, they're all already susceptible anyway. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't matter so much that, they died even because they had a chronic illness. Yeah. That's not true. Um, it's very devaluing and ableist and, you know, places more value on a healthier quote-unquote life. And I think what this movie tries to do is that show that Shelby's life was extremely valuable. Like they didn't really see her as less valuable, having less merit or weight. Yeah. In fact, they probably put her on a bit of a pedestal, if I want to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Um, and But again, because... the other side of that coin is the whole message of the film is life goes on. Yeah. It's like, she died, oh well. Yeah, but she'll always... She'll always be there because the and baby... And Jack Jr. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess. But you could also read it like, you know, Anel's having a baby... Next, like, <laughs> just replace the dead one. <laughs> I don't care. She'll do. But, yeah, you know, if, if, if the author wanted to talk about it, I'm sure he'd be like, yeah, I wanted to show that, you know, people who have died from, you know, diseases that they've always had, you know, they're important people too. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. It's an idea. <laughs> Another maybe helpful thing is, you know, Lots of women helping women. It's really good to see like some really solid friendships. Also from a range of generations, like, you know, Shelby's quite young. Mm, and then and all her friends are super <laughs> her mum's her mum's mates look up in <laughs> yeah. there. Enmeshed. Yeah. And then, you know, also Anel is friends with all these older women too. Yeah. But you know, you can see obviously it's a southern community, which I've never really been in. Um, but you know, maybe that's the way they kind of operate and that's what the movie's also portraying. Like, this is what it's like in the southern life. Um and and they all sort of just turns up and everyone's like, Yeah, we accept you, we don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, but it's only open to those people who are white. Oh yeah, that's because all the people of colour are busy <laughs> being servants being... <laughs> to all the white people. Yeah, hospitality. It was a very white film. Extremely, yeah. I mean, it is um, There's Southern a black America. nurse. And there the was end, some but that's still, butlers. Yeah, yeah. Nah, it no was good. pretty bad. No good. Um, but, you know, that scene, there's a few scenes where they really support Milan. <laughs> Not only to, like, leave her anger aside and be there for her daughter and let her live her life, but also, um, you know, when she, when Shelby dies, like, 
um, Clary is like, go hit Shirley McLean, get your anger out on her, <laughs> which is great. But it's also like a just get over it message. Like, well, no, I don't. I didn't read it that way. It was just yeah. like you know, however you, we want you to be here for you, Milan. We're here for you. Whatever you want, we'll be there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and right. even like Daryl Hannah's character, like, kind of fucked up <laughs> trying to be there, and then found the way to be there, even though it was a horrible message. I think it was still pretty fun. Yeah, you're 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 right. Yeah. Any, anything else helpful? I can't think of anything. No, much. there is none. Well, we've kind of touched on lots of harmful things. Yeah. And, like, you know, regardless for why she dies and the fact that it wasn't diabetes, the message I got from the film when I was younger is if you have diabetes, you can't have babies and you die. Yeah. Um, and even when we watched the other day, I didn't – that's still the message I got from the film. Oh, totally. Yeah, that, that is what it says. I guess one other thing is it really shows, like – it could be really helpful in that it shows the sort of cycle of patriarchy. Like Weezer has so many husbands and um, who else has lots of husbands? I don't know. There's just lots of shit men in this film and it's like, that you know, they go through it and they have a terrible marriage and then like rather than trying to break from that cycle, they just keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you don't have to get married. And it really annoys me because I feel like Weezer's supposed to be gay. But she ends up with a man at the end of the movie. Yeah. So it's like, why can't she be proper gay? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm asking for too, too much from yeah. a 1989 film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the women, the women that, like, even though they are the focus of the film, they're so, you can really feel, like what you're saying, you just feel the shadow of men over mm, them. Yeah. And, and they, they feel gossip, really. Because, like, that's the only thing they have is gossip. Yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of feel like you're watching them before the men arrive mm. and they have to transform into, you know, that the attentive their, wife. Their women role. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, like, that's, I mean, sad that that's how. Yeah, it's probably true to life. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, Malin is a social worker, but she might as well not be. Like, yeah. There's no, there's, like, one conversation where they're, like, you know, I don't know how you do that all day. Um <laughs> But, like, you never see her go to work or, or deal with anyone at work. It's just like, we'll just make her have a job so she looks yeah. cool. I don't know. Yeah. Also, it's a bit homophobic. Yeah. <laughs> this conversation where they're making a joke of, oh, yeah. One of the characters is, um, is telling a story about how their friend's son came home and said, I have a brain tumour. Just kidding, I'm gay. And it's like, oh, being gay is only a little bit better than being like diagnosed with brain cancer like yeah that's a terrible I don't know what that harmful is. thing and then of course they make a joke about Weezer's son maybe being gay because of one thing that you have in their house track which lighting. I still track lighting I can't even I don't even know what that <laughs> means um can I just say if somebody put a gun to my head like I know that the person who wrote this movie was male mm. if somebody put a gun to my head and said is this person straight or gay i would assume that he is gay yeah same okay cool <laughs> <laughs> that's when i when i looked up him and the director i was like how are they not gay yeah are they both the director the writer did lots of female films and the director did uh, like a million Broadway he was a choreographer and a dancer um, but he married a ballerina and he was in love with her like 
he was obsessed with her. But maybe he was obsessed with her because he wanted to be her. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we can't. can't comment I don't on know. That. Like, I can also see why this. You can still be gay and, and a bit misogynistic. Like, there's definitely some. Um, but what male... about hom- homophobic? Is what it's been. Yeah, you can because it's, like it was Hollywood in the 1980s. You couldn't yeah. say that you were gay. Yeah. I think you get the idea about it being harmful through everything else we've yeah. said. Final scores? Final scores. Lived experience, only one character. Yeah, but I, I pay the lived experience because the whole thing comes from yeah, his yeah. lived experience. Yeah, that's true. It would have been nice if... Yeah, I, 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 I've said this so many times, it's lost all meaning. Yeah. It would be nice if Julia you. Roberts had diabetes. <laughs> you know what, though? Dolly Parton, endo. So, good on her. I mean, not for having endo. <laughs> just People good say on her she's for going just a <laughs> Okay, stop it. Um, accuracy. I just feel like it doesn't pass. Yeah, no, I, I'm not into it. I know I saw it on the notes that people think it's accurate. Your own personal experience, you yeah. say no, but maybe you're in a very privileged position. Yeah. Um, but given what we get out of the film and what's not explicitly said, I don't think it passes anyway. Yeah, fair. Fair. Stereotypes? Just the sick The sick the role. Sick role. Sort of stuff. I, I don't think yeah. we can give any points for it not having stereotypes. Yeah. And helpful versus harmful. Harmful. Yeah. Overwhelmingly harmful. Sorry, still Magnolias. I think you get a zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, zero. one for lived experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, John Hartling. Robert. Robert. John. Robert Maljol. Roman. Robin. Robert. Robert Harling. Harling. Soap Dish is a great movie. Also, oh. First Wise Club is a great movie too. I haven't seen either of them. Well, let's watch them. Wow, surely. Wow, surely. How did you feel about talking so much about your own chronic illness, Michael? I love talking about myself. Do you? Yeah, I just need to be given the forum and permission. And I'll do it all day. (laughs) Ask me anything. Well, I appreciate you talking about your experiences. I really want to have more people with lived experience on this podcast. And, of course, why not start with me old husband? (laughs) But, you know, I have had Nick and Maz and, and Nathan. And, yeah, be good to talk more. You know, not just talking out of my ass about stuff. So thank you very much for sharing. No worries. I feel very seen. Hello, I see you. (laughs) Thanks for having me again, Stephanie. Thanks for coming to your own home, Michael (laughs) Watson. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Um, Don't forget to uh, subscribe. Review us. We haven't had a review for a while. Come on, mates. Uh, sign up to a Patreon for our bonus shit. Um, we still have a fundraiser going if you want to donate. Until the end of November, it'll be going. And have a great evening. Thanks, everyone. Bye, boy. Bye.